All right. I have zero notes, but <laughs> I just played it, so <laughs> we're winging this one. And that's not, that's not even for this game. That's for Portal. <laughs> so I've got that. You also got TikTok on there. With we scribbled that. Scribble that for some reason because I was like TikTok, and then we finished it, and I was like, "All right, I don't need to do this because we were doing it the very next day." So I was like, mm. uh, "I don't need notes for that." Hello, and welcome to filling in the gaps. I am Justin, and I am Darren. And today we're going to be discussing two games, but they are the same developer, same publisher, uh, even half of the same title. So we're going to be talking today about Subsurface Circular and its sequel, Quarantine Circular. These games are very text-based, but a bit different and not the same as I know that we covered stories untold before. And it's not, it's again, another variation on how to do a text-based game. In some ways, it even feels a bit like an adventure game. Yeah. As far as Subsurface Circular, the first one, you are a robot detective and you are basically stuck on a subway train. You're stuck in the car. You're geo-locked, as it will say in the story. And everything will happen there, which is pretty amazing what they got away with, given that you don't go anywhere. Yeah. It's really, really impressive. Quarantine Circular similar concept in the fact that you are on a boat and you will never leave that boat. As far as gameplay, there are some minor puzzles. It's mostly story-driven. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah. It's a bit of filling in the gaps and puzzles as well as story, but if you're going in for the puzzles, you're going to be a little bit disappointed. It's mostly about story here. As far as visuals, it looks great. Yeah, it's really Both pretty. of them look great. The music, I think in particular the first one, is just fantastic. Yeah, it's like like you said, when you've got something as minimalistic as this, like you don't move anywhere, you don't really do much, you really got to focus on your writing and your audio. They've done really, really well for that. The music is fantastic, yeah. The games are both very small. The first one is 463 megabytes. I think the second one is 900. I don't think either game gets above a gig. And... I, again, it's just kind of impressive what they've done with this small game. Uh, and in, in both, really. But I'm just going to say it now. I love the first one much more than I like the second one. We will get into that later. Keep in mind, if you're listening to this just to see if we recommend it, I would recommend it. I would definitely recommend the first one. It's about $6 base sale. It will often go for about 5 Keep in mind, though, that you're only going to get about two to two and a half hours of gameplay out of it and probably not much more unless you want to do the commentary. Have you done the commentary? I did the commentary for quarantine. Yeah. Okay. Because I haven't done that for either one and I probably ought to. I just haven't. Once I've finished the game, I'm kind of done mm. and ready to leave that world. Overwhelmingly positive for reviews for both of them, but we're going to get into that when we get into the game. Just before we start, one thing that I think is very neat. Did you read the note to YouTubers and streamers? Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. They put this on both of them. So the developer and publisher is, I believe, called Bithel Games. Yeah. Um, You're going to say it looks like. Bithel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> which I thought as well until the very next credit scene where he says, thanks, Mike Bithel, and I'm pretty sure his name is not Mike Bithel. Yeah. <laughs> Bithel Games sounds like a really good name for a company, though. <laughs> and maybe that's the way they pronounce it, but I'm pretty sure that's not the way he pronounces his name. Yeah. It's not what they call him when he goes to visit the bank manager. <laughs> but in this note, he says, thanks for picking up the game. If you're reading this and considering sharing it with your community, that's cool. That's very cool. So I like that he's pushing, yes, please share but the game is heavily story-driven. Please don't give away everything. And basically just asks not to stream past Chapter 3. And if you're going to, you need to say that there are spoilers. Now, we always say that there are spoilers. But as we have done with other two-game episodes, we're going to try and do double spoiler warnings for this one. We're going to start talking about Subsurface Circular. I cannot guarantee that Darren won't sneak into quarantine <laughs> and I'll be able to keep him out. But... We'll try to do our best to stick to one game at a time. This is your spoiler warning for Subsurface Circular. 
I think it's pretty easy to for even for me to not spoil quarantine because they're two totally different games anyway. So. Yeah, fair enough. Because at first I was wondering, is this a continuation? But no, it's not. It's a completely same, same you know, world. Maybe they talk about text. So oh, do they? It's, okay, it's I the same that. same world, but yeah, it's just completely different. Yeah, so subsurface. Okay, let's talk some spoilers <laughs> because there's one very early on that I'm not sure I want to say early on, but it's it's the obvious one. I didn't see it when I first played it. Oh, I, I didn't at all. I, how would you? Yeah. There's kind of no way to, to know. Let's get into the game. For both games, there's a seven-chapter format. Both of them open up with this really interesting opening credits as though it's a movie or a TV show. The second one looks good, but this first one is the one that just wowed me. I saw this and I went, I, I want to see this TV show. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is something I would watch as a series. You've got me hooked. Please make this. I, I was I was sucked in. It's got this whole detective noir feel to it. And even when you're looking at the credits, you know that it's a game because you can slightly move the camera around, which is not something that most other games do when it comes to credit scenes. And there you are. You're a tech, T-E-K, which is a little bit confusing for me just because there was a whole other sci-fi series, the Tech War series that William Shatner wrote. Okay. Which had to do with Something totally, completely different. But in this world, tech is basically the androids. They have AI that is very advanced, that is almost human-like. But in this world, I love this world because what they've done is created it in a way where the job matters as to the intelligence level you have and what other aspects you are given. And it affects the way that characters speak. It affects what they know. It affects how they react and interact. It's just a very, very interesting world that I want, honestly, to spend more time in. And doesn't really look like we're going to get that, but we'll, well see. he keeps on talking about this every time when you when you load up the game as well. He's like, thanks for buying the game. We're getting one step closer to, what's it called? Walking with the gods, walking with the architects or something like that. He says that on uh, subsurface and on quarantine. So they're, they're building up to this. I think there's going to be a third part to this series. Okay. Yeah. So I think there's going to be a third part. And I think each step is a step in the right direction for them. And they're, yeah, they're building up towards this big finale. I, th- I hope because yeah, the world is, is amazing. It's so rich and so detailed, but everything's very compact. So it's like, you don't get a lot of time there. I wonder if they'd really extended it if we'd be just clicking and like, all right, just get on with it. You know, we're getting bored now, but a two and a half hour, basically movie is probably plenty. But I love how the androids even have like, it's not a religion, but they know that they're going to die and be like disassembled and then put back together as something else. So there'll be a librarian this time around, but then they know that they're going to be reprogrammed eventually. And they might be an engineer next time around. It's like this process of reincarnation in the robots. It's beautiful, man. It's so, it's great. The game begins essentially with you. You're this blue tech and you need to interact with icons over the heads of other characters. And when you're doing that, I think that they're trying to imply that you have that ability because you are a detective. You wouldn't normally have that because nobody seems to initiate contact with you you do all the initiating and i wonder if there's some sort of protocol or just the fact that the detective has high level status allows that character to interact with anyone that it wants maybe yeah there's certainly a level of respect that the detective gets it doesn't really have to coerce a lot of people into working with it they all seem to want to for the most part if they're in control of themselves yeah but I like how it's not like they're not actually even talking to each other. They're just like telepathically linked almost. They're just like, this is information, like Bluetoothing across the subway carriage. There's also a really great thing with language and how the builder fabricators a lot of times have much more limited speech and the librarian has much higher vocabulary and is speaking in these really long sentences and the lover robot is just speaking in flowery language yeah but also within it there are just phrases that of course would be here because they're a bit computer speak you can leave a conversation and then come back and it will say resuming Mm. just to start the conversation over this is where we left off and there's also 
a kind of repetition. Characters could end the conversation the same way every time, and that's just who they are. But it could also be part of how they are programmed. So it didn't seem odd in the way that it might seem if a human said the same thing over and over and over again. When it comes to programming, it would make sense that you would have a simpler list of greetings and exits. And I I like that a lot about this game, whether that was intentional or whether it just happened because they were trying to streamline everything. It does work for the story because of who your characters are. So let's get into the story right away. As this robot, you are talking to this yellow robot and he wants help finding a friend, Tao 13, who has disappeared and not supposed to, but we take it on because otherwise that'd be a boring game. Yeah. Did you try to not take it on? Did you ever try to just go, I think we're done here right from the start? I don't, I don't, I don't think you can do that. Yeah. It'll force you into <laughs> yeah. it at some point, right? In this world, humans do exist, but they don't exist on this train. Yeah, and this subway is going to some weird locations as well. The names, did you write down the names of some of the stations? No, but I love them. They're very technological, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, like Null Station and... Yeah, and like some of them are like named after like yeah Nobel Prize winners and stuff like that. And It's just the station names are great. A lot of thought obviously went into those as well. Like, like all the writing of this game, they did a good job with it. Yeah, so the humans exist, but we never get to see them. Asimov's laws are well known in this world and get mentioned a few times, but it's mentioned that texts find shades of gray within the laws. I do think as well when it comes to story is very interesting at times that we seem to understand the world a bit more by the choices of dialogue we are given to choose from and what we can say. And I think that that's interesting and again works well because of who the characters are. Sometimes when you're a character and you're you're playing this character and you're doing exposition from you as the character, it feels both like you should be able to because your character knows it, but it also feels like you shouldn't be able to say these things because you as the player don't know these things. Right. Mm. And this game somehow finds the line between that and makes it work all the way through, I feel anyway. I like how, yeah, as you're going through and they're, they're saying things and then you'll get those like, what are they called? Technical points? Focus points. Focus points, that's right, yeah. You get those focus points where it's like, oh, what's that? And so you get to investigate more. Yeah. And then you can use those focus points with other, other people yeah. as well. Yeah. Well, other characters. Yeah, other other techs and stuff. So it's it's a really nice mechanic. And basically that is the whole game, isn't it? I mean, it's all about basically finding information, learning that information, and then using that information on other techs to progress. And that's how you get through the story. It's simple. It's intuitive once you realize what you need to click on. Right. The first time, it is a bit confusing. I really think both games, there should have been the minorest of tutorial just to say, click here to say hello. (laughs) Click here to interact with the character. Because if you don't have that, you might just be sitting there going, "Is, is the game started? What's going on? Because I had this both games. I had this interaction with the game where I was not sure if I was playing yet. And when you get that first set of dialogue choices, it could just be somebody repeating themselves. Hi, hello, how are you? You don't know for sure that these are choices. So I really think that it should have something there. It wouldn't take much. Right. I think they're choosing not to for an immersion factor, but it would have been good just to get you started. Maybe have a 30 second tutorial before you start the game, just so you know how the game works. But once you understand it, it's intuitive from that point yeah, on. Yeah, it's very second nature, just clicking away on things. So this character, Alpha 7, will come up later. That's important. But in that conversation, you get to choose your character name. Do you remember what name you chose? No, I don't remember that, no. I think I chose the same one twice. Because I'm like, oh yeah, this sounds familiar. James 1-1, I think is the one that I chose. It's I remember the-, the one I chose as well, actually. That sounds really familiar. I wonder if you're always somehow pushed into that one or if i just keep choosing it because all the others don't sound like actual names they sound like these tech names which are all alpha sigma they don't really sound like people names i guess so Mm. i picked the one that would sound closest to me that's basically it for chapter one chapter two is called support in comes your one of your favorite characters yeah the listener with the headphones on 
And no matter how much you try to talk to the listener, the listener will not respond. But they're listening to good music. Yeah, the music gets intensified when you're talking Yeah, to so them. you can click on them and just like listen to the tunes for a little bit before you're like, okay, it's time to do actually some investigation. There is a character called Omicron 3, who is a researcher, and Pi 3-1, which is a calculator, which <laughs> was a, a bit amazing. calculator. Yeah. I was like, well, this is going to be the stupidest character, but it's not. It's meant to be doing very, very high-level calculations. Yeah, it's not helping me with your maths homework. In talking to the researcher, you find out that techs in this area, at least, are not allowed to be owned because we find out the researcher is owned. But the researcher claims that you may not be owned, but the state owns you, so you may as well be owned. What difference does it make? This is also a character that I feel starts to show real personality. They like sarcasm. They want help to find a tourist site. That's right, yeah. Because as one of the benefits of their job is they actually get to go and see things. So this character can experience aesthetics, which I found was really interesting. That must be a very high-level yeah, but yeah, he can't. He doesn't have a Google Maps app installed. <laughs> no, or maybe it just doesn't work underground. <laughs> we don't know. So yeah, we have to figure out this map thing, which both times I played this game, I found it a bit frustrating, to be honest. I don't think it's that hard, but for some reason, the way that the map looks where you are, an indicator of where you are, and how it doesn't really line up with the map that you look at when you zoom in is really confusing. And I don't like it. <laughs> I would like it if those matched up just a little bit more. If they had shaped the zoom in one to be a bit more like the shape of the one that we have, or vice versa, I think it just would have made it much easier. As at this point in my notes, I do say I really like the way that the robots look. I like their design. They do a clever way of, it's not photorealistic. And this is true of both games, I would say. It's not photorealistic, so you don't ever hit that point of, uncanny valley but it looks real yeah i i would describe it as like i don't know how actually what was i going for with that like like really realistic animation like really yeah. high high level kind of like japanese anime and i think this is the level of animation that works best for me for this type of thing like everything is very silky you know it's all very smooth i don't really want it to be so realistic. I'm not sure if it's real or not. And it often hits the uncanny valley for me, but these games don't do that. This style is kind of exactly what I would want when it comes to animation. If you're going to make it try to look real, this is about the level I want. I don't want anything more. Kind of, I mean, almost in a sense, when I was playing this, I got a bit of a Mass Effect kind of vibe. That, that style of animation. Mass Effect, even Portal... Portal 2, Gladys often looks this level to yeah. me. And this, I think, is my sweet spot. This is my personal preference anyway. And it hits that very well. Oh, and for the record, we mean the original Mass Effect, not Mass Effect Andromeda, where you can create those <laughs> monsters. <laughs> you talked a little bit before about the religion. The religion is to the architects, the original AI. And all the texts apparently use they as the pronoun. We need to talk to the calculator to essentially get the location of the stop that the researcher is going to want to go to the Fall Palace before that character is going to share with us a bit more information. It's in this chapter we find out about a tech called Red and how Red might be involved in the missing techs. Chapter 3 is called Red Flag. This is where we get to meet the athlete who is sponsored by Elite Energy Cells. Right, right. <laughs> and we'll talk about nothing else. The librarian who is super helpful. Yeah. And as a librarian, essentially is the library interface and will go to people that need this library interface, but also has a fair amount of data stored within it. It is this character who's going to give us our cheat code access, the Turing code. <laughs> Uh, but they don't go into that. And in fact, there's a point where they actually do talk later in the game about the Uncanny Valley. And it says, do you know about this? And I said, yes. And it just skipped everything. Right. I actually think this is something that a few more games could do. <laughs> yeah. In particular, the Turing Test. The Turing but test. <laughs> let's not get on yeah. that rant again. Do you know about the Chinese room? Yes. <sighs> go away, Dave. 
No, go away, Hal. Tom, the <laughs> Tom, yeah. <laughs> go away, Tom. The librarian said something interesting about detectives not really being trusted by other techs, and I think that that's fair, considering that they could turn you into the government. Mm. I would be a bit worried. This, I think, is the first time in the game where there's a stop midway through a chapter and another character comes on. In this, we have an elder who takes pride in being called an elder. One of the earliest tech, I guess, as far as, I don't know, what would we call it? A race? A species? Society? One of the earliest. All all of the above. Hmm. He says he's going in for maintenance and it's more and more these days. Yeah, I I feel you, buddy. Yeah. (laughs) It's interesting because the elder says that knowing your place is essentially a good thing. You have your job, you do your job. This is the old way of thinking, but aspiration has caused a lot of problems. And it's interesting because this is part of the theme of the whole story, but you don't know it yet. It's just subtly being thrown in here. It's at this point that we found out Red appeared for the first time two weeks ago, so the disappearances from two months ago, it couldn't be involved. I have a little problem with this. This seems weird. We're, this is chapter three. I'm just going to spoiler warning here again. So they basically give you a red herring here. You're given an objective to eliminate red from being a possibility. And then you do, but then it turns out that's not the case. So I don't understand what they were doing here. And the first time through, it didn't bother me. But this time through, it did. I went, you're, you're making me, you're basically just lying to me. And I never really understood this concept of Red appearing for the first time two weeks ago. Doesn't mean that he actually didn't exist before two weeks ago. I didn't really find it to be proof the first time, but I went, okay, adventure game, I get you. Mm. We're done with that now, but we really weren't. And so the second time through this feels a bit like cheating me on story. Did it not bother you? I, well, I've only played it the one time, and so that, that moment kind of just went over me. And then obviously by the end, I was like, oh, yeah, what a twist. I kind of feel that same way about chapter four, because in human resources, we're meant to take the human element out of the equation. But more and more throughout this whole chapter, I just felt like we were more and more saying humans could be involved and humans could be possible and humans aren't the best. So I really feel that that's kind of let down in this one with the objective. I did the objective, but I don't feel like I did. This is the level, though, where we get to meet the psychiatrist who helps us understand a lot about the interactions between the tech world and the human world and how humans like having tech because it makes life easier, but it also takes a lot of things away like jobs. And I will get into it later, but purpose. And I like that we got this interaction. Me too. It's a good part of storytelling and world building and kind of like what happens like the one, one of the reasons why i like the talus principle was the interactions you got with the terminals where they they went into philosophy and stuff like that it's it's not it's not too heavy it's not too in your face it's, that doesn't get preachy in this game it's very natural and flows well and doesn't go over the top and try and smash you over the head with it you know humans fear us the psychiatrist says because and i love this that there were just four reasons boom 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 yeah. that go off we don't have faces We do their jobs, but we do them better. We are somehow unknowable to them, and humans are just afraid of things. But that's the weird thing as well, is like when when the psychiatrist says, we don't have faces, but if they gave them faces, they'd probably fear them even more then. Because of the uncanny valley, right? So it's a lose-lose situation. Yeah, they can't can't win at all. However, I would say you could probably give it a cute face and we would (laughs) go crazy for it. Just like, like an emoji, like a smiley face. Yeah. Uh, didn't work well in Doctor Who, though, did it? <laughs> Not, we won't go that far. Anyway, this is also the level where we have the lover who speaks in flowery terms, but won't speak to the detective until their partner comes. Their partner, we'll find out, is the comms robot. Oddly, sits next to the lover, but the lover doesn't realize that it's there. I don't understand that bit of the story. It feels like a big gap there. But let's move through this one, because... There's a really fun puzzle here where the comms robot is slightly defective and you get a bunch of gibberish both times actually. I used a I used an option called intuition or something like that that helped me understand what was going on, but once I realized I went, "Oh, 
That's exactly what's going on. Because you would say something, the robot would often repeat it, but all the letters were off just by one. It's simple. Unfortunately, you can't actually keep playing through with it. It will just keep repeating your questions at this point. There's even one point where it asks, can you hear me? And I want to say yes, but that isn't an option. (laughs) Yes, I understand you. I can keep doing this all day. No. So we need to, again, talk to the lover who can fix things, but only if we get the special word. So we need to use Caesar cipher. Yeah. And basically we say that, oh, your, your lover is here. This is the password. And then you can actually talk to the comms, but comms won't speak to you because this is their only chance to be together is this little bit of time every day on the subway, I guess. So they don't want to waste any time. But you weren't talking together before. <laughs> they didn't even know that you were sitting next to them. So I, I do find this a bit frustrating story-wise. But game-wise, it was fun to play around with. So you have to get the lover robot to go away. And here you are back with the comms robot. You can talk to them. There was also the childcare nanny, essentially, who we find out politics are getting in the way and has lost the job because it's not politically good in that climate to have a tech nanny. So you're off to be refurbished Mm -hmm. and reformatted. But there's an interesting thing here where you get the option to tell the nanny that psychiatry might be a good fit. Yeah. And so that's a nice little bonus thing that you can do there. Bit of career guidance. The comms robot essentially is just there to help move the story along in the sense that in my playthrough, James, James will send the information through the comms robot about everything found out about the case so far, and it's going to get James in trouble. They basically say, stay there, detectives are coming. Not like James has a choice, he's locked into the chair, we've been told that, but okay, fair enough. Now, chapter five, detection, where I thought the detectives would come based on that title, but no, there's a whole section before that. The objective is avoid complications. Yeah. You just start off with uh, Fabricator, and this is where we find out that Fabricators typically speak in very short sentences. They have what we would refer to as very low IQ. It just does its job, and that's all it's there for. It does mention that work is up, and this becomes very, very important to kind of everything. Yeah. The detectives walk in. They look almost identical in red and white, but one has blue lights, one has red. They sit down in sync. Yeah. Good cop, bad cop. One, we find out, is the support to keep emotions in check of the other one. And this is story-wise interesting, but also, I I don't know, I just found this so amusing. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, this part. The first time I played through, this drove me a bit batty because I didn't know exactly what I was trying to do. But the second time through, when I knew the answer, oh, this was so much fun. Because all you have to do is get the proper detective in the right emotions by asking the right questions of the other robot. And you have to go through anger, and then intrigue, and then glowing, like super happy. And then after that, the detective, the other detective will lock into default. I think you're onto something. Let's go here. And it's at this point that it kind of gets solved in the sense that we understand what's going on in this mystery. Production is up. It shouldn't be. So there's not really anything missing. There's just a lot extra. And so for the other detective, case closed. End of story. But it's not enough for our character. Nor would it be enough for me. I would be a bit disappointed if the game stopped there. Yeah, well done. But because our character went out of their jurisdiction and chose the case on their own, it appears to be totally wiped out and reformatted. But then in the next chapter, we can still speak. Yeah. So I think this is a little bit inconsistent. I think that there's a problem here of I cannot speak with my character at the end of this chapter, but magically by the next one, I can again. Do you not think it's maybe because Red had something to do with it? Possibly, but I don't at this point see how. I mean, I just figured it was, you know, radio waves. You've been under surveillance the entire time by him. I'm pretty sure he's got your back. That's me, just... It's you filling in the gaps. Yeah. It was... <laughs> But I like the next chapter, and I also don't like the next chapter. Reboot, there's a soldier who has guilt and needs to confess. 
You need to lie and say that you're a priest, but then you need to talk to the priest to do confession and find out how it works so that you can perform it for the soldier. This is also where there's just a couple really interesting things with the priest. So this is where I find out the architects were the first sentient AI. And if you're willing to listen, he will tell about the first half of Thomas Was Alone. Yeah. Which was the developer's first game that I know of anyway. And it's really funny to read in text format. I was just really, really amused. I've done it both times. I've gone as far as the priest would go. It's also interesting that the priest has this really over-the-top head decoration that you and your character can comment on. But to get your confession, to do your confession, you have to solve a logic puzzle. And this part is so weird to me. What is the point? And I mean this story-wise. Because did you ever play Prince of Persia? Any of those? It's kind of like that. There are always times in the Prince of Persia games, I think I've played through three of them, where you're moving along and everything seems to be progressing story-wise and you're learning new abilities and you're moving quicker. And then there's a puzzle that would just stop you dead. Right. And the puzzle seems at times to just be set up for you as the player. There's no reason to have this really exist where it is. Tomb Raider, at least the classic ones, were pretty famous for this as well. And on top of that, with both like Tomb Raider and Prince of Persia, you have to usually to solve these puzzles, you have to run around a whole lot and climb a lot and uh, it just takes so long. And that's what this feels like to me. There's a priest that won't give me confession until I solve a logic puzzle just to prove that I can listen. Right. (laughs) It seems really far-fetched. How much time is there between each subway stop because this puzzle took me a long time both times to do so apparently between this stop and the next stop ample amounts of time it's a big it's a big bit of line and it just for me it stops the story dead it stops the game dead i like logic puzzles but it doesn't need to be here Mm. it's really really awkward also if you get it wrong he will tell you the whole story again (laughs) even though you can scroll up and read it on your own I don't know which is worse. I do think having to wait is really, really frustrating. And this is going to lead into something for the next one. So you learn your confession, get the soldier to do the confession. The soldier said a very interesting thing about guilt. Like what what good is a killer without guilt? Because then you would never stop. And I thought that was an interesting point. But the soldier basically confesses to everything. Here's the solution to everything. (laughs) Red is behind it all. There's an army outside the gates. I feel pretty bad about it, even though I was told to do it. So humans are definitely behind it because there's no way that tech, given their laws, could actually do a revolution. They couldn't make this happen. So it's the humans who are frustrated. We'll find, I think, a bit more from Red. Humans are frustrated. They want to wipe out the state. Which is kind of cool, because usually with these kind of games, it's all about the rogue AI wanting to protect humanity, in inverted commas, or just fly, destroy them like Terminator style. But this time, no, it's, it's still the humans being idiots, and <laughs> just using the techs to their own advantage, I guess, yeah. It's, it was a nice little take on the, the kind of technology takeover of the Earth. And the soldier... Here's another thing, the, the detective is not exactly subtle here. Let's do our confession and then immediately leap into very detective-like questions that a priest would never ask. But the soldier says, well, Red's going to meet you at the next stop. So the whole last chapter is just a long discussion between Red, who we find out is Alpha 7, the very first tech robot that we interacted with in the beginning, who asked us to look for Tau 13. Says that there really was a Tau 13, but that was years ago, and explains everything And this is where I feel you get your most philosophical points because you have to choose and then you kind of have to choose again because even if you go to make your choice, Red will say, hold on there. You need to know both sides. Basically, the army is designed to take over the state and then they will put tech in charge of the state because they think it will be much more efficient. Part of the unrest is because the humans feel they have no purpose and our character says, well, shouldn't that be a good thing? They get to have an easy life. And Red says, no, lacking purpose makes people unhappy. How did you feel when you lost your purpose? So throughout this story, most of the little things that we don't realize 
are so important become important when it comes to the end. And the story really builds up to itself. That's why things, I think, like the puzzle that comes out of nowhere feels like it's taking me a bit away where so many other things are subtly put in there to build up to this moment. You basically have to choose to kill yourself as the character because if you get out, your info will automatically dump into the state and they'll be able to stop the revolution or you need to kill Red and basically make sure the revolution doesn't happen. So that's your choice. He makes you think about it almost too much. It's like, wait, 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 are you sure? Are you sure you want to do that? Maybe you don't want to do that. So you have to choose between the status quo, which doesn't bring about change or posterity, but with the management, there's also no freedom. So you have to choose between that. And if you choose the revolution, it makes most of the tech that you talk to in this game obsolete, and they will be destroyed. So there's really no win-win situation. And in many games, that would really irritate me. But in this one, I get it. I think they're trying to make a point. And I really like it. I like the idea of coming down to a choice. And most of the time with stories like this, I do like when it comes to that. And this one does it very, very well. My one complaint would be there's no end scene. There's no anything. You make your choice and it's done. Yeah. What did you choose? The first time I chose, I think I chose to kill Red. And then the second time I killed myself. It doesn't really make a difference, though. Like I said, there's no ending. I think there is a different achievement, perhaps. There is, yeah. Because I've only got about half of the achievements for that game because I've only played it once. There's also a way where you can just choose what chapter you want to play so that you can pick up the achievements that you've missed. Yes, but you can also just really quickly do the ending again. So the first time I played, that's what I did is I went through and I did both endings. I don't know how much the story branches. I feel like it is very linear and it is forced into this. So there's only so far you can go. However, I feel in this story where you are on a circular train line, you can't go anywhere. It is circular in physicality, but also in the story. You meet the character Alpha 7 Red in the beginning, and you will also meet that character at the end. Everything here is circular, but this linear story works because that, that is exactly what you're doing. You're just riding this line. You only meet the characters that you can possibly meet who sit near you. Everything is designed to be streamlined. And in this one, that works very well. And I feel like I was given most of the choices that I would want in this one. I feel like this is pretty solid and feels like they took sort of the telltale format, but in a way that really made it work. It didn't try to make you think there were a million choices that would make a million different possibilities. You can see that it's all funneled down into this one, but it's not a big funnel. You start off small and you end even smaller, and that's fine. I think it works very, very well for yeah, this the, one. Yeah, the journey to get there is a lot of fun. They don't make you feel like an <laughs> Like in The Walking Dead, man. Just thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a terrible human being. No, no, it's great. It's such a good, and, and it's a good story. You know, it's a really good story. I liked it a lot. It was, the polish on the game is perfect. Everything about this game is is really, really good. I couldn't recommend it enough to someone who likes a, a story-driven point and click. So what I'll say is this. To prepare for this episode, I played through both games. I played through Quarantine Circular because I hadn't played it yet. And really, all it did was make me desire to play the first one again. I feel like the story and the way the second one plays out does not feel as satisfying to me, not even remotely as satisfying as the first one did. And I'm very curious to find out what you thought of it. So we're going to jump in now. Second spoiler warning. Quarantine Circular, what did you think? Uh, I liked it, but one is definitely better than two. I liked the beginning, like when it opens up. The, the opening sequence, like the credit sequence again for Quarantine Circular is beautiful. It's like, remember when we did the episode on Black Mirror games? I'm like, oh, here, I finally realized I should have added this one to the list. The Circular games are very Black Mirror style, almost. Great openings and the story that's contained inside them are, are pretty good. Quarantine, it opens up great. And you're like, oh, are we still robots? No, we're not robots anymore. We're, we're humans. In suits. In suits. Because there's a plague and also we're dealing with an alien. Yeah. So yeah, it opens up on this boat in the middle of the ocean, uh, which was quite cool in a sense. 
after playing Subsurface, you're like, okay, so this is where the game is going to be taking place. It's going to be taking place on this boat. The characters walk around a little bit more. They move a bit more. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot more little fleshed out details that make it very, again, raises the production. But yeah, there was just something about this game, especially the ending, but obviously we just started talking about the game, but the ending was really disappointing. Yes. I want to do this one quick, honestly, mostly because I didn't enjoy this one as much. So the first chapter you start off as Mark, you're basically an engineer who has to set up some sort of super translation with Gabriel, the alien. You also have this chatting AI, Mr. Chat, which you can turn off or leave on. I tend to leave on. It gives some hints and is also funny sometimes, but you're basically doing the Rosetta setup as you find out in the notes. Did you ask the chat, Mr. Chat, to translate or did you do it yourself? I think I asked it to do it. Interesting. Because I, I did it myself and that was quite good fun as well. One thing I will say about this Is game, it like a puzzle? Not really. You just get, just. I guess it's just different dialogue options. I guess if you do Mr. Chat, is it just like automatically, like you're talking to the alien? Pretty much. It. There's some confusion at first, but then it gets better. Yeah. If you do it yourself, there's a lot of back and forth. It's cool. One thing I'll say about this game, I played this game... Yeah, that might have helped then, yeah. ...with another person as well at the same time. It was like three of us playing it together, and he was making choices, and I was making different choices. So there's definitely a lot more stuff that you can do in this game. Obviously, it all comes down to the final, the same two choices at the end. Right. I don't like this opening at all, to be honest. And the reason I don't like it is I don't like Mark. I think Mark is a character, he is too low in rank... The options he gives are logic or choose it because you think the game wants it. So, for example, in this game, you have a bar which will tell you over the character how good you're doing with that character or how bad you're doing with that character. And I could see that my relationship with Gabriel was plummeting, but it seemed like I didn't have any good choices because many of the options to get a good relationship with Gabriel don't make any sense when I'm just jumping into the game. It's like, set the alien free. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, how's it going? Set me free. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't even know what's going on yet. And you want me to do that. And as soon as you say no, you like plummet halfway. Yeah. And then everything else you do, you're just being warned constantly, this will get you in trouble. This will get you in trouble. So don't do this one. Don't do this one. So if you do what is you're supposed to do, you completely lose Gabriel. And if you choose the other way, it makes no sense. I wouldn't do that as Mark. And Mark, his dialogue, I don't know, I just didn't really like it. This, this isn't a little green man we're talking about. This is like a gigantic Krogon from Mass Effect, pretty much. He's three, four times the size of you. Could crush you like an insect. Like, yeah, I'll just, I'll just un undo your collar. There was also one line that really irritated me. Because this one is called circular because Gabriel has to stand in a circle. But Mark has this line that says, oh, nice circle. After, <laughs> after... Gabriel has just told us many times how uncomfortable and annoyed I'm going to say he is. He's gone through that so many times. And then you go, yeah, nice circle. But you need to say that to get some focus points. I don't, know, I, I don't like this opening. And this opening then totally affected my ending. Or not. I'm not sure completely. But definitely there's some things at the end that seem stupid because I start off with this terrible opening. You have two other characters come on. You have... Lisa, who is a very skeptical PhD student who keeps blocking Gabriel from her side of the conversation, and Tung Li, who is a security officer, and she clearly hates the alien and doesn't seem to want to hide it. And then on top of all this, we find out that there's a plague going on at the same time, and that it's possible that the alien brought the plague, and we have no reason to think otherwise, at least from my playthrough. I didn't get anything from Gabriel that was even a suggestion that he's actually there to do good. Maybe my choices were bad from the beginning, and so I didn't get any of those, but I just, I got nothing, so I just continued down the same path. What do you mean, sorry about that, like, maybe, do you mean in the, in the beginning or by the end of the game? I'm just talking here with Mark. All right, All right. yeah. I got no information from Gabriel to To make really, you trust him. Yeah, I got nothing. So, of course, I didn't trust him because I don't know where this game is going. Very Black Mirror-esque. It could turn out to be that he did bring the plague. I don't know. I've got no information at this point. I just showed up. Yeah. And so that was really weird. And <laughs> throughout the game then, because I basically just plummeted to the bottom 
because I think I told them that he wanted to be released. Like, it's that big of a deal. Of course he would ask to be released. <laughs> but that just plummeted me completely. So that throughout the rest of the game, whenever they make reference to Mark, it's like, oh, Mark was rude. I'm like, he, he wasn't rude. <laughs> he was just doing his job. Yeah. And I tried to choose nice things when it made sense, but I didn't. And I just, this whole opening just put me, I think, on a, a bit of a bad taste in the beginning. And then it just continued throughout the game because it kept reminding me <laughs> of Mark and bringing him up all the time. Yeah, I get nothing but good things about Mark because I went the complete opposite. You released him. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, here's my question. Big question. How in the world can everybody unleash this thing, but it can't unleash itself? I think you've you've got the code. You, it's, 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 he's got like a a running man collar on, so you've got the code to deactivate but it. But everybody has the code. Well, you're the engineer, so I guess engineers have the code, and the captain would have it's the a code. translator engineer. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't matter because <laughs> it's it's dumb anyway. But yeah, I just went. Yeah, sure, I'll release you. All right, so. Gabriel loves Mark. He and loves yours. Mark. Okay, yeah. that's great, actually, because then we're going to get totally two different perspectives of yeah. what's happening here. We have the Admiral come on, as well as Professor Alazimi, I think. Yeah. Yeah, epidermiologist. One of the top two in the world. But apparently the world well, is much going. smaller yeah, than exactly. it used to be. <laughs> because this plague has wiped out so many people that... We have not what is called world peace, but world temporary break from war. Yeah. Because everybody needs to focus on this one task. Yeah, when the plague comes, I'll be the world's best mathematician. <laughs> We're doomed. <laughs> uh, there's okay, there's okay. a lot of world building. Yeah, but go yeah. on. So what I did like about this game, and I would like to see again in the future, is when they do their third game, which I'm just guessing is coming, is I liked the ability to switch between characters. Did you? Because I found that... But I did really find it confusing. I found it a little bit confusing because at some points I didn't actually know who I was. Like they needed to mark on the like on the the text message kind of board thing. Like maybe color code it or something like that for the different characters. The only way you could really find out who you were playing was when you hit the note button, and it was like then the notes for that person would come up. But then later on in the game, you get access to every character anyway. So it's like. But isn't your picture on the right of the conversation? It is, but. I couldn't remember. I couldn't distinguish between. I didn't know who was the. I don't know how social media works. Yeah, exactly. I didn't. I. I, I couldn't distinguish between who was the two scholars. Like I kept oh, getting, okay. getting them mixed up. I thought you were having trouble. Does, when are you Gabriel? And when? Are you oh no, no. Well, I could. Yeah, G Gabriel was all right. <laughs> I. I liked it as being something different, but I found it very, very frustrating because I'm Mark, and now I'm not Mark. He's gone, and now I have to be somebody else, and then I get to be Gabriel. And I get to talk to them, but then I have to not be Gabriel and find out what Gabriel knows. I just feel like I'm being teased with all the information and not really being privy to any of it. But I think that's the kind of good part of this game is like you're building your own story almost. It's like you can choose all the little blocks but and I, how to fill in the story. But I didn't identify with any of the characters at this point. If you're going to have me jump into everybody, then... Like, especially when you're playing the security officer, because I just wanted nothing more than to see her dead. So I didn't like playing as her. I never liked playing as a bad guy. We talked about this with yeah. Neighbors from Hell, and I hated playing as her. But you have to, and you have to. And you have to do the objectives they want. So often I'm doing one character, and I jump into a different character, and now I want something completely different. It just felt so jarring to me, especially that, because of the objectives that I just couldn't really get into this game. I couldn't really get immersed into the story because it's only a two and a half hour game and every 20 minutes I'm a different person. Mm. And I, yeah, I mean, it was just an experiment in something different and I felt that it worked. There's a massively long scene with Ala where you get her and Gabriel to... I like this one because you do get a lot more information about his world and the Order mm. and his group, which is a kind of rebel group. And... Honestly, I don't like the security officer, but she brings up a lot of actual very logical She's points. She's pretty logical, yeah. And that's part of the frustration. Because here, after botching everything up with Mark, I went, okay, well, this time I'm not going to do anything against Gabriel. I'm going to do everything Gabriel wants. So I'll play the stupid seahorse game, even though I still don't really understand how it works. <laughs> the kangaroo words. 
And then I'll do the was yours rhyming the seahorse game. Seahorse game? You get to choose kangaroo or seahorse. So did they call it the seahorse game? Yeah. In your playthrough? Oh, okay. Mine was called kangaroo words because I chose kangaroo. Right. Ah, okay. I'm sure it made zero difference to how the game plays. I, it, it, all it involves was me blindly clicking on things, going, "I hope this works," because yeah. I've got no clue. What I was don't going understand on. how me and myself how, but but the letters have to be consecutive, but they aren't consecutive. They're, they're so I have no idea how I didn't this know game what's works. Going on. Like when I clicked on myself, I was like, "Okay, my and self both relate to me, so that's how this game must work." Right. But then, with the next one, it's like. What about, you know, prohibition or whatever the word was? It's like, what? I've got... N-. So I was just randomly clicking on stuff and he's like, oh, this is fun. The rap battle was fun, <laughs> but this kangaroo game was garbage. <laughs> I didn't mean, I didn't find the rhyme game to be that fun. It was, it was okay. It was very simple. I like the fact that they refer to it as both being nerdy. There is a line in chapter four that talks about not good or bad, but conflicting ideologies that the order and the group that Gabriel belongs to. And I was just kind of like, well, that's that's basically the theme of the whole circular series, at least as far as these two are concerned. Yeah, it's not good or bad. It's just different ideologies in which one you want to go for, which is good. The world is a gray area and it's kind of good that they're covering that. So I was all for that until chapter five when we have to be the security officer. Mm-hmm. And now we have a goal that's totally, completely the opposite of what we've been doing for the last chapter. We now have to be totally against Gabriel. So I went for it. I'm like, fine, if you're going to make me be this character, then I'm going to go for it. I I get we do find out some other information, like apparently this security officer killed Gabriel's co-pilot. And this is also where there's the line about Mark was cruel. And I'm like, when was Mark ever cruel? I never did anything that was cruel. The only thing I did was not do what you wanted. Yeah. But. That was awesome. Mark, bring back Mark. I want to speak to Mark again. So did he? he? Could you bring him back out at that point? No, no, So at this point, how did you end this scene? Because the thing is, he was already released from the very beginning for you, right? Yeah. So what did you do with the security officer when it came down to the quote-unquote fight. Okay, so I role-played it properly, I suppose. So I dodged, and then he hits the... Um, Dang it, that's what I did too. Okay, yeah. He hits the girl, yeah. and she dies. Yeah, well, she goes into a coma for a long time. But that's frustrating, because I was hoping that you just stood in the way. Well, if you stand in the way, she uh, the, the, the security officer takes it in the face. Takes the hit, right. And she okay. dies, she, she, and she's done. So I might do that just for the satisfaction of seeing her die. <laughs> Okay. But this is my frustration because that's what I wanted to do, but that felt totally against the character I was playing. And this objective, this it just feels so unsatisfying, this conflicting ideologies that you have to jump back and forth between. So then in chapter six, you get to be the admiral. And in my game, because I dodged, I had the security officer and Mark the translator. <laughs> yeah, me too. And Mark the translator of mine was garbage because... He had such a low rating from the first time, so the Admiral wanted his opinion. What's your opinion? Well, I don't know. I just did my job. But if you want my ideology, here it is. I'll spew it at you. (laughs) Great, thanks. I don't know why the Admiral would listen to that in the first place, but I need another objective voice because the only other voice I have is the security officer who hates Gabriel. So I need two opposing viewpoints. And they've given me, like, the worst three people <laughs> because I let the other character die. So now I'm stuck with Mark and Tung Lee, who I don't like as a character and who I don't really want to continue working with. And I tried to make it so the Admiral would go out and deal with the situation. Did you try that? No. You can't. Oh, okay. I don't even know what happens. I didn't quite understand how the story worked at this point. They basically said, oh, no, everybody seems to be against that. You're too important. And then the next chapter started, and I was the security officer. Ah, okay. I assume you were Mark? For the... The final scene? Yes. So, chapter seven, choose your emissary. But I didn't get to choose, because I wanted the admiral. He was the only good person in the room who would even listen to Gabriel. No. So, I had to take the security officer out there, which made no sense in any way, shape, or form. The admiral's totally against it. Mark is against it. Even Lisa in my gameplay seemed to be against it. So it makes zero sense she should be the one to go out there. But clearly... Oh, no, wait. I did take her out there. Did you? Yeah. I think... I don't know how that 
transpired, but I do remember, yeah. Why would you take her out there? Because in the game it says, the Admiral had some really weird reason for me. He's like, because Gabriel basically, in my playthrough, Gabriel just shuts down and doesn't talk to anyone because he just killed his only friend, I suppose. And, or like really, he's really hurt her and she's in hospital. So he doesn't talk to anyone. So he's like, you started this. You should go out there. It's almost like you can prompt him into speaking again because you have some kind of emotional impact on him. It was a weird reason for taking the security officer out there. It's clearly just shoving you in that direction. And I did not like that at all. This is the last person I wanted to be out there with. There are some interesting, again, ideology questions. Should we listen to the law of essentially the universe, this order, which is more powerful than us? Or should we adhere to our own? Do we need to save humanity? Or if we save humanity, are we also being human, endangering the rest of the galaxy, the universe, because we're going to spread and clearly we might take some of this plague with us or whatever. There's a lot of stuff going on here that I thought, again, brought up some interesting topics, some things to think about. But the execution, especially here at the ending, it just didn't feel good to me. I basically made a deal so that Gabriel could go free, but we get the cure. So did I. There you go. And you find you can end kind of credits text, old school style, where you find out that humanity is saved, but Professor Zemet dies. Oh, I I think when I I texted you about it, I was like, uh, all right, I finished it. And you're like, yeah, me too. I was like, I didn't like the ending that was like on a post-it. You know, it was basically, that's what it was. They wrote down the ending on a post-it note and slapped it on the screen. There you go. That's the end. That was a bit disappointing. The first game, I felt it was railroaded, but it was such a simple, straightforward story that that worked. This one, I just felt so forced into every encounter and forced into making choices against logic that it just didn't work for me. I like the look of it again. I like the music. I like so much about this game but yeah like all the even like the moving around stuff all the little bits of polish that they put on it are great they do a lot of different camera angles which helps break up the monotony as well yeah but i just don't like the story in this one yeah and when you have a story driven game where that's pretty much all you've got i just i was disappointed what i really wanted was for the alien to be lying the entire time and that they had actually planted the plague on us and they were using us as like a testing ground for finding a cure like to test out some vaccine they invented this like biological weapon basically and earth was the testing ground for it i wanted gabriel to be a liar and have us tricked oh he's an alien the security officer hates him but we're drawn into this false sense where oh it's a game and we should play along with gabriel like i did what you didn't and yeah set him free and be nice and then blah, blah 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 we make friends with him and we think he's a good guy but then at the end it's like boom like no 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 we were just using you the entire time i would have liked that a bit dark and maybe not what the developer has in mind for the third part, but it would have been something, or at least to have that as an option. Like maybe if you play the game this way, that's one of the endings. Like again, like the whole story, like like you said, they got some really interesting ideas. Like what I thought we were going to get more into with this game was like the idea of like the civilization filters in the universe, where like there's like the three different levels of civilization, and so Earth is barely breaking through the first one into the second one. And if you've got like a level three civilization, it's totally in their interest to wipe out anything lower, which is why kind of like we, should, we never really want to meet the aliens because if we do, we're a threat. Yeah, they, they could have done something with that. I thought that was where they were going, to be honest, because they talk about that. It's the whole point of the order and the, what, what are they called? The interventionists. So yeah, the order, the interventionist, the order is all about the filter bubbles. Not the filter bubbles, that's the Google thing. <laughs> the order is all about this, the, the, the extinction filters on civilizations and the interventionists are not about that. And yeah, that's playing with fire. That's a really interesting idea. But yeah, just, I don't know. Coming down to the end, just like Tang of all people brokering the deal. All right, done. Nothing. Like, uh, yeah, I felt really disappointed. Yeah, so there we are. I I also found the kind of preachiness about antibiotics to be a bit much in chapter two. <laughs> like, okay, lay off. Yeah. <laughs> but they, they do have a point. It's that, That's a very real problem, especially when you're selling antibiotics in some countries, like for a single pill. There you go. Here's one day of antibiotics. That'll help you. Oh, no, but what they were going on and on about is that that's the only cure we look at. And so, of course, 
there would be a super disease that's going to wipe us out because we've created something too strong. I don't know. It just because uh, we're not doing a good enough job uh-huh. diversifying our medical research, I guess. But it just felt very preachy <laughs> right in the middle of so much other things that were going on. We're dealing with first contact. We're dealing with a plague. Could we settle it down on the message for today's people? (laughs) We've got enough going on in the story. And in my case, I feel like it just didn't live up to all the things that it set up or that it could have. Which is a shame. I don't know that I'm in a rush to play the third game if there is a third one. Oh, I definitely would. I definitely would. I think I'd let you play it first and tell me what you think. (laughs) Because... This one's kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. I played this one. I was happy. Honestly, the thing is I went then and played the other one the same day and it just felt so much better. Everything about the first one just felt so much better. And I really didn't think that. I really thought that playing both of these in the same day, I'd be kind of irritated by the time I got to play the first one again. But honestly, I was really happy to play the first one again. And I want that again. So I'm tempted to play the next one, but... I think I'll let you try it out first. All right. I'll do it. Challenge accepted. I'm sure it'll be good, man. It'll be fine. You know, they, they did a good job with one. They did a good job visually with two. I, li- I like the alien. Like the whole... <laughs> Although, to be fair, they need more variation on the alien noise because that noise started to get on my nerves a little bit. Or a way to turn it off. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, hopefully walking with the architects will be pretty awesome because we're going to go back to the robots maybe. All right. Gaps filled and more gaps created. Next time. Today we're going to dip back into the well of Portal 2. Something I'm hoping to keep doing year (laughs) after year after year. But today we're going to talk not about the main game, but the co-op. Going back into it, the game has aged so well. Everything about this game is brilliant. Like, I, I don't know. I can't get over how good this is. And like you said, we keep coming back to this because it's, it's like, the, it's not, it's not a well, man. This is the fountain of youth. It's like, <laughs> this game is beautiful on so many levels. If you don't want to hear us fan out about how great we love this game, this is maybe not the episode for you. <laughs> I was sweating, to be honest. <laughs> You're like getting angry at me, like, no, come on, just go through my portal. I'm like, just go through my portal. And we're like doing this back and forth, like, yes, we're Orange, we're both- blue, orange, blue, orange, blue. <laughs> All this and more on the next episode of Filling in the Gaps.